Welcome back to another episode of Pocket Law Talks. I'm Brad Banks, your host, and with us again is Adam. Hello. And producer Devin. That's me. Oh, that was gross. Lord, that was creepy. You like was. it when I whisper in your ear? No, it makes me very scared. <laughs> uh, today we're um, going to talk about some uh, stuff that's in the current news that's the um, terrible tragedy out of Delphi. Uh, Delphi, Indiana, for those that uh, listening that are uh, from this area, is up in uh, northwestish Indiana. Small, very rural community. Um, and back in 2017, uh, there were two uh, young girls by the name of Libby and Abby. And over in Delphi, they've got this old railroad track that's been converted into a, a walking trail. Uh, it's called the Monon Hill Bridge Trail. Um, this again was back on February 13th of, of 2017. Um, the two girls are going on a walk. They've got it set up for their parents to pick them up sometime later in the afternoon. Uh, last sort of known activity of the two girls is at 2.07 in the afternoon on that day where uh, Libby posts a photo on her Snapchat and she shows her friend Abby uh, walking down the railroad. It's kind of one of those cool... Uh, photos with you know the, shows the perspective with the railroad track. What day of the week you. was this? Do you remember? Gosh, if I remember right, wasn't it a weekday and they were supposed to be in school, or is that not right? I, I don't remember that. I, I do know. I'm about, to, I'm about to check the calendar yeah, five years ago. I'm looking it up. Yeah. So they, you know, first they discover there's something's going wrong when the parents come to pick them up. Um, yeah, and they had texted them saying like, "Hey, pick us up here at X time," and then they weren't there. Right. Yeah, they're supposed to pick them up in the in the afternoon. They go and they and they they can't find they can't find the girls. You know, as is every case when there's somebody that's a missing person. You know, the police uh, took it seriously, but they don't overreact because in most instances, when there's a child missing, they've gone and done you know ran over to somebody's friend's house or done something like that, gone to visit a different family member, didn't tell somebody about it. Uh, ran over to the ice cream store, whatever it was. Or in, or in the case of the Browers, my son was asleep in his bed, and my wife and I searched the entire neighborhood for two and a half hours looking for him. <laughs> That's happened. It was Monday, February 13th, 2017. It was okay, a so it was on a Monday. Um, in February, as I recall, it was a decently uh, pleasant day for February because anybody that doesn't live here in Indiana, February's for shit usually when it comes to, That's to weather. That's a fact. Um, but this, uh, this was a decently pleasant day. Um, the parents show up to pick them up. Neither one of them are there. Can't find them. Parents' worst nightmare. Absolutely. Um, later that day, uh, go into the police actually start doing some searching that afternoon, that evening in February in Indiana, five thirty, six o'clock. It's dark. Yeah, it's dark. You know, you know, no daylight at that point. So they, they do some searching, um, they don't. Uh, they don't find anybody at that point. Obviously, it's about midnight, and they decide they're going to resume uh, searching back in the morning. Uh, they do start back up the next morning, and by twelve forty-five p.m., uh, two bodies there are found, uh, not immediately identified because they have to go through that that, that little process. Yeah, kind of <laughs> terrible process. What's crazy is it still took them, you know, near three hours to find them. So it's not an active train road anymore, right? That's correct. So, I mean, unless they were, like, deep in the brush, I don't see how it would be that hard to find them. Did you honestly think people were walking on an active train line? We did that all the time. 
Literally, it was a right public there. trail. Yeah, come on, everybody. No, it, it wasn't a public. Train. It wasn't a public trail, but we did that shit. We used to put pennies trains. on the train track. Well, we used to, what? You could put a penny on the train track, uh, train track, and the train would run over it and smash it. No, we didn't stay near the train because it was like one of those super, perhaps, <laughs> one of those super old ones. Yeah. How would it derail it? There's like a hundred <laughs> fucking <laughs> wheels. <laughs> if one's derails, the it rest did are cool. make the penny look pretty cool though. It did. It smashed it. Copper's pretty easy to manipulate. That's a, that's a fact. Um, but yeah, I'm just surprised it took them three hours to find it if they were like deep in the brush. Dude, if it I'm also, a parent, I am still searching from whatever the night before 12 o'clock all the way to 10 a.m. I'm not waiting until 10 a.m. to start. Well, what's crazy is it said that like their bodies were like manipulated to look a certain way. Like it was well, and, and as we'll discuss, a lot of the details aren't out there. So I, I think I remember hearing that they, they were found off the trail quite a ways near the, the creek or waterway right. that goes through that right. area. Um, but there's just not a lot of details been out there. The police kept through all these years until even through even now, the police have kept the details of the investigation very close to their chest. Um, some things have happened. Uh, the infamous uh, picture of the suspect that uh, everybody's seen that's out there, a uh, guy with sort of the, I don't even know, what, what do you call that kind of hat? Trucker hat? I don't even know what you call that type of no, hat. No, it's like, sort of like what uh, Monica Lewinsky wore. Oh, that but, little beanie? No, it wasn't a beanie. The fedora. It's a fedora. Isn't that the one that's He's flat? not wearing a fedora. Flat in the front? You're talking about like a flat bill hat? No, like the one that is like, just slopes down. Like the 1920s, yeah, yeah. like uh, Peaky Blinders shit. hat? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. It is a fedora? It's a, Pika, it's a Peaky Blinders hat. No razor in the front. It's not a yeah. It's not a fedora, though. It's called something yeah. else. I don't know what it's called. What is that thing called? But anyways. It's like that, a normal hunter's cap. It's just a regular old cap? It's what it looks like. It's like brown and... Yeah, but what we should color. talk about right now is then they also released that sketch that didn't even come close to matching. Yeah, so they... Well, yeah, he's looking down like... How do you know what his facial it's hair a looks like? Fo- it's a grainy photo. So there's a photo that's taken, um, that, that's released. It's off of a trail camera, I believe, that's on the uh, off of a hunting hunting trail camera or something like that. They get a really rough photo of a guy that's in the area uh, at the time the girls were in the area. So that's released to the public the very next day, uh, say, as the day they found the the um, um, the two girls. So this investigation goes on for for five years. Um, five. Years. Horrible, horrible thing from from parents. Or well, I heard that in May, the poli- the Indiana State Police said that they like knew who it was, but they didn't have enough evidence to arrest them. I wonder if the person that they thought they knew who it was then is the same person. Yeah, they've inferred several times that there was going to be um, an arrest at some point. They had a good suspect. I think it was back in January of this year. Um, State State Superintendent Doug Carter, who's been the one overseeing the state police overseeing this investigation uh, said I think it was in January of this year I will see an arrest of somebody before my tenure's over and he had three years left at that point uh, so you know to make that kind of a statement they had to have what they thought was right some sort of information yeah a pretty good lead um, you know there's a, there's a lot of lot of reasons they maybe uh, took a while to, to build the case. They also, it said that they had, like, something taken from their bodies. It didn't discuss which, but it had said that the rest of their clothes were on them, so it kind of inferred that it was some clothing that he had taken as, like, a memorabilia of the crime, which makes sense because the guy that they did end up arresting, they, like, took 
bags full of clothes out of his house. So weird. Yeah, so then finally, just sort of out of the blue, uh, news is leaking out that they've arrested somebody in the Delphi murder. There's not a whole lot of information as to the who. And then it is finally determined that a gentleman by the name of Richard Allen has been uh, arrested and charged um, for the uh, murder of uh, Abby and Libby. So let's talk a little bit about who Richard Allen is. Um, he's a really relatively regular, nondescript character uh, that's living in Delphi, Indiana. He actually graduated high school in 1991 from Miami County. Miami County's um, near Peru. Yeah, and and I would say still in Indiana, and probably just 45 minutes, probably yeah, not from that far Delphi away. Area. So east, not not too far from where he grew up. Um, however, he's been living in uh, Delphi for at least the last 16 years. Um, he's 50 years old. He's got a house in Delphi that's worth about $170,000, which, you know, in an Indiana rural town, is that's a nice house. Yeah, not a bad house. Um, and his, his home is about two and a half miles from the park where, where the two girls are, are found. Now, this is where it gets almost eerily creepy. Uh, Richard Allen works or worked as a pharmacy tech. An actual li- pharmacy techs in Indiana have to be licensed. They help distribute or count out medicine for, for the pharmacists um, at the local CVS, which is just Delphi's a little town. The CVS is probably the one that everybody in the town uses. Oh, yeah. yeah it's the two, only one, I'm sure. Yeah, it's two blocks west of downtown, right off the main drag. Right next door to the the McDonald's in town, so I mean yeah. it's a it's a busy little place. Um, so the he's working there as a, as a pharmacy tech, and the part that's really sort of uh, eerie, uh, just eerily creepy, is that um, when the family, when Libby's family went to print, you know, when anytime you're having a funeral, especially for somebody young, you're going to put together a whole photo array. Yeah, um, said so that he helped him, and he even did it for free, which makes me wonder if he, like, felt bad or if he was just, like, maybe that was when he was, like, damn, like, my actions, like, really hurt someone. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, or if he was just kind of like, yeah, I did I that highly shit. doubt he – I don't know. You're I don't know that mind frame. Well, we don't – we should say we don't know anything about this. He has, yeah. a, he has a presumption of innocence. Allegedly. So, yeah, all, everything is allegations. Assuming he did have some involvement, though, yeah, how weird – He's the person that helps print off the photos. Sure, I sure. mean, they did have a shitload of people who they presumed also did it before. And looking at, like, everyone that was suspects, and, I mean, even the landowner got arrested. And, you know, they said he lied about his story and whatnot. He said that he was home at 2.30, and then he told his friend to tell them that he was home at 5.30. But then they found a receipt in his house that says he was in a town 30 miles away at 5.21. So he wasn't even in the area during the time. And, you know... Kind of like how Adam was saying earlier, how they just kind of like lie because they, yeah. they don't they they know they didn't do it right, and they but don't they can't they right. can't prove. We always say in in this business, it's hard to prove a negative. It's hard to prove you didn't do something. It's easier to prove that you did do something. Right, and then at the same time, you know, he could have also just being old, forgot what time he got home. Said two right. thirty in the moment. You know, you're stressed, you're handcuffed, you're in a police interrogation room, and they're probably roughing you up, like in the sense of like talking shit to you a little bit or, you know, trying to grill some information out of you. Not saying they were putting hands on him or anything. And then... 50 years old is not that old. Well, I mean, mean, you forget shit all the time. Yeah, Brad's old. Yeah. Brad's old. We were just talking about that. Yeah, and he can't even see his paper. We had to wait so he could go get his reading glasses. So he probably said 2.30 in the moment and realized that later it was 5.30. 
and then realized again later it wasn't even fucking 530. Which as far, as, far as I know, they've not claimed that Richard Allen is so old that he's having uh, right. memory lapses. No. But, when did um, you graduate high school? 1993. Yeah. Before I was even born. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a couple of years older than me. Just a couple um, years away from a wheelchair. Uh, yeah, I, 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 honestly, it's pretty amazing. He still gets around. I don't know how he's doing it. Um, the, uh, the so, want to step back just a little bit. When a criminal charge is filed against someone, the process is the police do the investigation. They prepare a probable cause affidavit, a police report, send it over to the prosecutor. Prosecutor looks at it, decides, do I have at least probable cause to file charges against somebody? If they determine yes, and it's not just probable cause, they're also are looking at, can I actually win this? Can I prove this right. case? Right. Um, then they de- they are the ones that determine. He's tracking your ums. Every um you said, I track Such it. Such a dick. <laughs> Which I get it, because as a lawyer, you don't want to have, like, the uh, offending party have a time to speak in your lapses of communication. But if everybody Jesus just Christ, you say um just, a lot. Just looking over his glasses. It's been 13 Kevin. minutes. You've said it. 1, 2, um, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 times 20 for the one you just did. Um, That's why I hire a producer. Yeah, I'm not going to cut out, out every single fucking ums, dude. <laughs> I, this wouldn't get done by the time it's supposed to be submitted. So anyways, the uh, the way this works. That wasn't an um. That was an uh. Uh and ums are the same. I said anyways. Anyways, you can start throwing uh, things at him if you need to. I will. Oh yeah, let me get some. I'm weapon. surprised you can get some weaponry. Full right sentence <laughs> to go by without saying um. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> you hit the fucking mic. <laughs> I wish we had a camera. Oh, that's funny. <sighs> now you're gonna make me think <laughs> every word I say. Yeah, now you're gonna say it good. You time. should read better. <laughs> I'll get done with the sentence, and he's halfway through and saying, um, for the seventh time. He is doing the most talking, which is harder. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Yes. You want me to take the mantle? No. No, we'll all be in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. (laughs) The um, (laughs) the process that is followed, the prosecutor will look at the case, decide what charges they're going to file. Once they file the charges, and that's solely the exclusive jurisdiction of the prosecutor. Police can give input. They can talk to the prosecutor and say, hey, this is what we think you should do. But ultimately, the prosecutor has that ultimate authority. And we'll talk about this a little bit. That's a huge, huge power when you think about it. It is. And not a high burden. Probable cause is not that high. It's not the same as beyond a reasonable doubt. No. And the, the power to become a prosecutor is just you get elected by the people. The only qualification is you have to have a law degree. So it's not like it's some sort of specialized training on right. law enforcement or how to how to do investigations or review investigations. You literally just have a have a law degree and then convince the people in the community to uh, vote for you. Now the prosecutor in Delphi has been he's been around for for quite a while. Uh, so the police would have taken the paperwork to him. He takes a look at it and he decides what charges to file. Now what happens from then usually is that's immediately available as a public record. Right. But in this case, that that did not happen. Why is it important that that be immediately available as a public record? Because how we in this country keep our elected officials in check is we make things that they do public, public, right? And think about how it would be if always, anytime somebody was charged with a crime, the only people that knew the facts of 
what they did or what they had when they decided to charge him with the crime was the people that made the decision. Right. Yeah. I mean, that leads way for like political prosecution, things like that. And plus, you, I mean, you don't know, you know, if your neighbor that, who you let your kids run in his yard is like a child molester or something. That's true. So these kind of decisions where it's made to keep a uh, the, the facts of a case can be very frustrating for the community, can be very frustrating certainly frustrating for the media. The media has been, uh, you can read through the docket, the judge actually issued this really long order where he's basically asking the media to leave him alone. Oh, I'm sure. Because they are making all types of demands on why is this case being treated differently? Sure. Why are we not able to see the probable cause and police report like we can in every other case? Sure. And we don't know the answers to that. So we're going to explore that a little bit as to why uh, we don't know more details. What's kind of crazy too is, you know, it says that he had no significant court filings against him other than a couple traffic violations. Um, and it's, it's just, why would they even add the traffic violations? Like, who the hell gets to 50 years old and doesn't have, like, a single tra- traffic well, yeah, violation? Brad gets one every week. About I mean, I was there for a while. I had, like, 32 points. I don't think I've been pulled over in, like, 10 years. That is not, that's certainly not true for me. I mean, that, mean, that probably means you drive like a grandma. Dude, you got to live life. I'm living. I'm living life in the speed limit. And, I mean, to be a pharmacy tech... <laughs> So slow as shit. <laughs> yeah, slow. <laughs> to be a pharmacy tech, like, don't they get paid pretty well? That's a decently uh, paid job. I think that I would guess that somewhere in the $20 an hour range, which in a community of that size is, is, a, is, is a decent wage. Well, it says that he had a ranch with his wife worth about $170,000. How do you get that on a $20 an hour? Well, we don't know what his wife did. She either. works, too. She also is employed. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. The he filed some pleadings with the court just yesterday. Where yeah, he, he saying that, that his wife can't stay home, things like that. She's or, lost her job. And they're losing like everything. Yeah, they both. It, he so indicated I mean, in his letter just filed yesterday that he now needs a public defender and that he needs to have uh, assistance because uh, he lost his job, his wife's lost his job, his wife's no longer safe to live in the community, so she's had to move. And now they can't afford to pay for their house. So he put all of that in a letter to the judge just yesterday. So it's not a house that he, like, absolutely owns. It's probably under mortgage or whatever. For sure. I'm At the sure. same time, um, he had said that it was he couldn't afford to even talk to a lawyer. He, didn't, he said that he didn't realize how expensive it was to even talk to a lawyer. So is having, like, free consultation, is that something? Other than family law, we don't do that. It's not free there. But is it, like, una- unnatural to have free consultation for criminal cases like that we do? I don't know a single criminal attorney that charges for a consultation, but maybe on a case like this, you might. Yeah, in I a mean, case I, like I this, can see why if they're like, yeah, I don't want to fucking deal with this guy. Right. You know well, what I mean? And I will say in my time as a defense attorney, if I'm going to have to drive and somebody wants me to go see them in the jail sure. and it's out of town, I will charge for my time for that. Oh, well, yeah. And they probably are not allowing him to do any video visits because he's probably in solitary confinement. Jeez, oh, Pete. And if he's in solitary confinement, the only way you're going to visit with him is to go see him in person. What would be fucked is if he lost everything and he ends up not being the one that actually did it. That can happen. Well, it does happen. And, and you know, hopefully that's not the case here because uh, that would be that would just be duplicating this tragedy. And now you're back to square one. And right. Families yeah. have to go all through this yep. all over again. Yep. You kind of hope that he did it almost. Yeah. Because it's kind of for everybody's fucked peace up of mind. if you think. But of if it. not, yeah, what a terrible tragedy that would be. But one of the reasons it's such a sort of controversial decision to keep this record sealed. One of the things people may not realize when somebody goes to hire an attorney, they can't, they can't look it up. Right. The very yeah. first thing the attorney does is go and look, look at up the, the PC. And, and you know, why would you want to do that? Well, you want to know, you know, 
is this case going to have 45 witnesses? Is this going to be something where I've got all types of other evidence I'm going to have to sift through that I wouldn't normally? Because that's how we decide how much you're going to charge to do to do criminal cases. Right. And if you don't have that information, it's going to make it very difficult for him to hire counsel, even if he could afford to. Now, in a case like this, attorneys are going to charge oh, probably six figures to even think about taking it. For sure. So it's very likely he ended up with representation by a public defender. Uh, but even the public defender, um, it doesn't appear, would have access to the pleadings in this case. He's kind of just stuck. Which is unconstitutional, I think. Yeah, at some point that can't happen in criminal cases. Uh, we're going to take a look, at, get, in, get into the nerdy details a little bit of how it is the process that's supposed to be public and supposed to be open can end up not being. Do you think before we go into that, that, you know, any day it could be just released to the public or do you think it's going to be somewhere it stays undercover for quite some time? I think time? they're going to wait until the hearing. Yeah, they have a hearing on November, I think it's November 21st. Um, that seems quite a long time from arrest to your, is that his first hearing? No, he's, I'm sure he's already had. He's already had an initial hearing. Because he has bond. He has a bond? He has bond. Which yeah, I think so this... That's one of the weird things. That, he's not charged with murder. Yeah, well, he's no, charged he with felony murder. Yeah, but that's and under the murder right. statute. He's got two counts of murder. In most counties in Indiana, if you're charged with murder, you are held without bond. He's been given a million-dollar bond, which is it's very rare. It is rare in a murder case. So that's an interesting fact that I think the details of this case may... May not look so good. Well, or or ex- have to be explained. I'm, I've also heard, I don't even know where I heard this, that it was felony murder. Uh, difference between the two, murder is you knowingly intentionally kill another person. That's it. That's all you have to prove in Indiana for murder. Knowingly intentionally. You don't have to have a motive. You don't have to have lying in wait, any of the stuff some of the other states have. Did you knowingly or intentionally kill another person? Yes, that's murder. In Indiana, if you're charged with felony murder, that means that somebody died during the commission of another felony. And the classic example that takes the, that law to sort of the extreme, but actually does happen, Let's say two guys go in to rob a bank. When they're in the bank, robber one um, is being attacked by a security guard that was in the bank. Robber one fires at the security guard and kills robber two. That person, even though he had no intention, obviously, to kill his co-robber, he would be charged with felony murder because somebody died in the commission of, right. a, of, of a felony. So it makes sense why that law exists. It can also just be put in some extremes. It can. And, and most of the time it's used to, you know, somebody's violently raping somebody and they uh, end up killing, killing them, them in the process. Right. And you charge them with felony murder. Robbery Drugs. is sort of the main, it's the go-to or the most common use of felony murder that you see. Um, Sometimes in drug cases. You're starting to see it in dealing cases more, right. where uh, somebody dies based on something that was dealt to the uh, uh, another person, uh, they're starting to use the um, felony murder statute in that situation too, which is uh, an interesting sort of use of the statute. Yes. What's crazy is he's only they've only filed two counts of murder, which I mean they're not you know they're not saying that if they were sexually abused, we don't know any sort of information like that. But what's interesting on its face is I mean I've seen people who have only murdered. Like one, not in, you know, in the flesh, but on the news, they've murdered one person or they did one sort of thing, and they're charged with a litany of crimes for one murder. You know what I mean? So why, why is it he's just hit with just two murders and not all of these multiple rulings? That well, we'll know when the PC's released. Well, and, and if the charge, we don't know this, just something that I had read somewhere, 
But if the charge is felony murder, you almost always see the felony right attached well, to it, also filed. So is that something they're going to add? You can always add charges later. It's tricky if they do it after the omnib- what's called the omnibus date. But if they are holding back information for X, Y, or Z reason, and it's tied to whatever this potential felony murder is, then the new charges could come at that time. Well, and they may have gotten a request from the court to get the DNA of the defendant and try to match it against DNA found at the scene, which can take time too. Yeah, it's possible that, although in a case like this, with if, if they had probable cause, they could have gotten a warrant for his DNA, and then even though the state lab is backed up ridiculously are processing DNA requests, they, they would have elevated this one. What is the lab that processes the D- DNA in Indiana? It's in the, the, the state laboratory in downtown Indianapolis that processes almost every request yep. for the entire state of every police department and whole jurisdiction. Yep. And they have like 10 people doing it. So, although shockingly, it's way behind. Yeah, it seems like that should be something that's quite... Super far behind. Well, it seems like something that should have more funding with something that is as serious as knowing who a killer is or knowing who a rapist is. Like, that's something that should definitely have more funding. In a high-profile case, yes. Well, just more than that, I mean, any rape is egregious. People always want law enforcement and uh, criminal investigations and everything to be better, faster, but then when you want to raise taxes or ask them to pay for it, it's kind of like jails, right? Everybody knows you need them, but nobody wants to pay for them. Well, it's always raise taxes and never tell the government to be more financially Fisher. responsible. Yeah, Because, right. I mean, everybody who works in the government thinks, well, this isn't my money, so fuck it. <laughs> well, or yeah, they have to buy their furniture off of XYZ vendor whose cheapest yeah. chair is $500. You got to bid it out. You got to bid it out. Right, and they don't, they don't do that stuff. So, anyways, the... That'll be an interesting twist to see once the information is released on this. Is if it, if it is a felony murder, what was the felony was tied to it? If it is just regular murder, then it's not uncommon to just see these two charges. You also said that information has to be, has to be released after the omnibus date. For our viewers, what is an omnibus date? Now, what I was so saying I about the omnibus works. date is if they are going to add new charges. Technically, if you're going to add information to the charging document, which is what you tell the defendant they're charged with the crime. You have to do that by the omnibus state. Now, there are exceptions to that, and yeah. frequently the prosecutor... They can do that all the way up to trial. There's yeah. some case law. And and what ends up happening is they'll just give the defendant a continuance. That's what almost always happens. But there are some rules that, that come into play. But where this gets really tricky is there's a set of rules in Indiana. Under the rules in Indiana, it's called the Indiana Rules on Access to Court Records. That's what I was trying to say. Well done. The state can... Uh, file a petition to restrict those records. That is what has happened in this case. The very first thing uh, is attorneys, well, and anybody can go on my case and in.gov and look up what you can see on this case. Attorneys can see a little bit more, but not much. But one of the very the first thing that's filed in this case is the petition to restrict access. So that that is done. But in those rules, they stay, say some things that really hit home on why this should be extremely limited. They, to quote of the rules, it says the objective of this rule is to provide maximum public accessibility to court records, taking into account public policy interests that are not always fully compatible with unrestricted access. But the rule then goes on to say this rule recognizes there are strong societal reasons for allowing public access to court records and denial of access could compromise the judiciary's role in society, inhibit accountability and endanger public safety. So when you take a look at the things we were talking about, 
a prosecutor has this awesome power to be able to file charges. Right. There's a judge then that then takes a look at those charges and decides that there is probable cause. And based on that, somebody is then held in jail without any level of scrutiny being allowed on those on that process, you could see how that could very easily sure, that could be, be abused. That could be abused and run afoul. So it's it's been set up that that should be very rarely uh, utilized in the courts. And it is. I think in the hundreds and thousands of cases we've handled, I can think of one or two that I've been a part of where something's sealed, and usually pretty quickly it's unsealed. And you see it in the federal system, quite frankly. Yes, almost always in the federal system. But why is that? I, I don't know why that is, because they're doing... Larger investigations, most of yeah. A lot of times, there's complex investigations. There's people that are cooperating. They're trying to protect co-defendants that haven't been charged yet. But uh, pretty quickly, the documents are once somebody's arrested, they're pretty pretty quickly released usually, and almost always released to the the person being charged. The um, rule five e allows for this exact thing to happen in criminal cases. Under rule, it's called five e a. When there's probable cause to justify issuance of an arrest warrant, they can use it then. That we see frequently. Yes. So they've gone to the judge. They said, we have an arrest warrant. We need to search this person's house. Right. They obviously want to, or we need to arrest this person. They want to keep that secret so the person can't flee. Yeah, so the person can't run. The can't destroy evidence. So it says the following, which was what you had discussed, shall be excluded from public access by filing the document on green paper. What does that mean? The confidential paper. Yeah, if you file it on green paper, then that means it's co- that's to let everybody in the process know it's confidential and it cannot be released. Is the paper public. actually green? It is actually green. Yes, it's very... Now you, we do everything e-filing and you just click something that says confidential. You label it. But back when we were filing actual papers, you had to yeah. file it on green paper. Yep. And then in the courtroom, the idea behind it is when the clerk would pull the file, they see green paper, they know they can't. Except on St. Patrick's Day, you filed it in white. Otherwise, everyone was confused. For real? <laughs> no, I, For figured, real? I figured that was bullshit, but <laughs> he had a dead he had a dead straight face. So I can't believe you believed that for half a second. Well, he Good had a dead set God. face. <laughs> so the um, other area under that rule where they can also act sort of be excluded is if they can show upon reasonable belief that public disclosure will increase the risk of flight by the defendant, create an undue risk of harm to the community, or a law enforcement officer, or jeopardize an ongoing criminal investigation. Now, we've heard this, that term utilized in this case uh, frequently. However, that rule specifically says... Subsection B... Subsection P, an order excluding public access issued under this subsection expires immediately upon the arrest of the defendant. Which means they can't be relying on that. So at this point, that part of the rule is is excluded. Moot. So there's another section that uh, allows for preventing the, the record from being public, and that's a Rule 6. And that rule is basically says, in extraordinary circumstances, a court record that otherwise would be publicly accessible may be excluded for public access by a court having jurisdiction over the record. A verified written request to prohibit access to the court may be made by a person affected by the court. They have to show, uh, there's a litany of things they have to show. Uh, The public interest will be substantially served by prohibiting access. Access or dissemination of the court record will create a significant risk of substantial harm to the requester other persons, or the general public, a substantial prejudicial effect to ongoing proceedings 
proceedings, not investigations, that's proceedings, so that's something happening in the court, cannot be avoided without prohibiting access. And those three are ORs, so any of the three. So those are the three things um, to do that. And when that request is so made... So it needs to be one of three. One of those three. Right. You have to have one of those three. And when that request is made, the court record will be rendered confidential for a reasonable period of time until the court rules on the request. There's a whole litany of things that they have to have, but one of the things they have to do is a person to whom the notice is given shall have 20 days receiving it to respond. So the, the there can be a response given by the defendant in this case, but there must also be a public hearing. The court cannot deny a request to prohibit public access without that hearing. Makes you wonder if the defendant it would It says just a court may deny a request to prohibit public access without a hearing. It, yeah, I think it's discretionary to the court, but... Yes, I'm sorry. They have to have a hearing if they're going to deny it, but if they choose not to deny it, or if they're going to deny the request, they don't have to have a hearing. If they're going to grant the request to keep it, they have to have a hearing. Right. Oh, okay. Makes you wonder, though, if the defendant is just not objecting because he doesn't want it out either. Well, he's also unrepresented. Right. And so he probably has no idea what's going on. Um, You're right. They probably just let him some papers. He has no fucking clue what they are. That's probably true. And then the court has given some additional um, direction. The requester has to demonstrate by clear and convincing evidence that one or more of the requirements of those three requirements have been met. And the court is to balance the public access interests served by this rule and the grounds demonstrated by the requester and use the least restrictive means in duration when prohibiting access. So this specific hearing is set for November 22nd at 9 a.m. This hearing also has to be a public hearing. Right. Which is the way it should be, to be honest with you, especially this much time that's passed and this much interest in the case. I don't know why it wouldn't be. So when the... Uh, that public hearing happens, that's where the court will determine what's going on here. You know, state of Indiana, what are these three reasons that you are going to say? And if we look back at those again, it's to prohibit the public interest will be substantially served by prohibiting access. Be hard to imagine in this case what might fall under that. The public interest will be substantially served. Yeah, it seems like the complete opposite in this case. Yeah, I, would, I definitely feel like they'd want to know what's going on. Access or dissemination of the court record will create a sig- significant risk of substantial harm to the requester. Which would be the state, which I can't imagine that. Or other persons or the general public. Other persons is interesting. Um, if per- there's possible co-defendants. Yeah, if there's co-defendants that could still do something to someone if their name is mentioned in the the affidavit. And that's something that the police tend to hit at is that, you know, um, a reporter was mad that they weren't getting any more information. And, the you know, the police, I don't know if he was the chief or if he was just like their head of, you know, communications or whatever. And he was like, I know it's frustrating, but we have to keep this sealed, you know, in case there is another defendant or anything. And so it almost kind of infers that they think there would be another one, but it seems like, especially from the picture that we have and the situation it is, that there wouldn't be another defendant. Yeah, maybe. I, you never know. I mean, there may be a sting tied to some other behavior the defendant was in where those people might have information because he shared it, or it may be that his wife has information they're trying to protect her. could be any of those things. It could be It could be in a, a, a witness issue, too. But the, 
The thing that would be interesting is most of the times and why these things are terminated is once the defendant's arrested. He's uh, not in danger anymore. He's not in danger, and his ability to put others in danger is at least Well, I would say he limited. can still put people, he's still in danger if he's in jail. I mean, chomos get killed all the time. Well, yeah, he, he, he could personally be in danger in jail for sure, but he's not going to be in danger from the general public. Which I guess is all they care about. Yeah, right. Fuck that's, him if he dies. That's right. what they're looking at. And interesting in this case, they've asked him to be moved to the Indiana Department of Corrections. The letter that was just filed by him uh, yesterday. Um, filed well, by the defendant himself? Yeah, he filed. A, he, he submitted a letter to the court. It was marked filed as yesterday, asking for a public defender. But in that letter, in addition to him talking about his wife and his financial circumstances obviously taking a huge hit, it was also, they printed the envelope. He was sending it from the White County Jail. White County is the county immediately adjacent to Delphi and Monticello, Indiana. That's approximately, I mean, from the White County Jail to the courthouse in Delphi is probably a 20, 25-minute yeah. drive. Uh, so they did not, at least as of a couple of days ago, they had not honored their request to take him into the, the Department of Corrections. They just moved him to the next county over. Uh, so they're taking some steps, presumably, to try to, protect him from the, from the public. So it's it's a little hard to imagine what would be the ongoing reason to uh, keep this from the, the public. The last possibility, and I guess there could be some argument made here, is a substantial prejudicial effect to ongoing proceedings. Do you think they might affect a jury trial? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could see where somebody could make the argument that if we release the facts of the case, we're never going to be able to get a Fair jury, because this Not case has so much interest. Yeah. But. I mean, that's what change of venue's for. Yeah, and they, I mean, they've already appointed a judge from another county. There's very likely, this case is almost certainly not going to be heard in Carroll County because yeah. of the the media attention around it. But there's been high-profile cases in Indiana all the time. If you think back about, um, I don't know, probably 10, it's probably been 10, 12 years ago now, the. Um, Richmond Hill explosion, that one? Yeah, the neighborhood where the guys exploded a whole neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. What was oh, that? Yeah. People got trapped in the basement next door. It was terrible. Yeah. What it was, was that? South side of Indianapolis. A lady was trying to make an insurance claim, hired some guys to set her house on fire, and they created a gas leak inside the home, and then they made this rudimentary incendiary uh, device, I think, inside a microwave. Using a microwave right? timer yeah. <laughs> that caused a spark to go off, and there was so much gasoline in the home, it was a it literally was like a bomb. It flattened the two houses yeah. on either side of it. The two people right next door got caught in the basement and burned still alive, alive when the fire department got there and they couldn't get to them. Um, a horrible case. Damaged homes within a whole block. I mean, 16 different homes, I think, were... Yeah, it was terrible. Knocked off their foundation. Yes. And terror. So all over the news at the time. How long did they wait from opening the gas line to make a damn spark? Like well, they had it must to just, have been a while. Yeah, I think it was days. It was a, it was what? a while. Yeah. Why? That's I, something that you could do, like, immediately. Yeah. And they weren't... Nice. There's some real dumb people involved. I mean, they were texting each other about making sure the cat got out of the house. Um, you know. When the neighbors are flattened and dying <laughs> right, in their right. basement. I don't think they expected it to be that big. No. Well, no, of course not. You wouldn't fucking do it. Yeah. But that case wasn't sealed. No, it was as not sealed. As well, the, I don't know if it was sealed at the beginning. I, I maybe at the very beginning. But as, as soon as the co-defendants were arrested, the media imme- immediately had access oh, to the records. Yes. Um, you can think of the Officer Broussard case where the uh, police officer that Ran over the the motorcyclist and killed him. Uh, what what that, was that? Yeah. I don't know nothing about it going on that in Indiana. That was a couple of years before that. That's because you're too young. 
because you're a little whippersnapper. Mm-hmm. You were probably not born yet. It's not that old. But <laughs> definitely probably weren't paying attention to the news. Uh, the the In both of those cases, as soon as the defendants were arrested and, and charged, the documents were readily available yes. and made to the public. Yes. Both, I think both those cases ended up having moved out of Marion County yeah. due to the... Oh, both uh, of these happened in Marion Rizard County. Rosard ended up mm-hmm. being moved to Boone. And I think... Uh, it was Allen County, right? I think St. Joe. Was it? It was up Saint north Joe. somewhere. It was up north where the Richmond Hill case was retried. That's what's going to end up happening in this case, too. The trial's going to end up having to be in a different county. But you can't just hold the records forever and no. not let the jury, the, the public know about it. So I don't really think that's a basis to... Uh, hold these back either so i mean is there anything else you can think of that would be i can't i mean it it gives the presumption that maybe the evidence isn't as strong as you would think i think it's either there's someone else they're looking into or they're trying to protect the wife because she's got information that she's providing or there's some other prejudicial effect on something that they're doing well there's also you know this could be entirely baseless but i had seen somewhere where he had a picture of the killer like with a wanted photo like in his room and, of course, he could explain that off to his wife of, like, oh, I'm just look, keeping a lookout for him. I, allegedly. I, I saw – yeah, all allegedly. And, <laughs> you, know, you know, he did see um, their family at the CVS, so he could say, I saw them, I saw how distraught they were. Y- you could explain that off to an extent. It'd still be peculiar. And the fact that many people were saying that, you know, how could she not have known? How could she have not have known? Well, he looked like an average Joe in the picture. Like, he yeah. looked like a normal guy in the – the grainy photo really just kind of sucked for the technology at the time. Well, yeah. And I mean, you can't look at that photo and see the guy they arrested and say, oh, that's him. That's yeah. Definitely. Unless you're you trying to make it fit. Many, yeah. yeah, many people were trying to, but that's sort of like they want it to right, be him. Sure. You know, they want it to be over, which understandably so. I just think it's going to get released and everyone's going to be like, oh, really? Why was that? Well, and, and that? what this rule requires, and what I think at the very least is going to happen, let's say there are some other people involved in this investigation that they don't want them to know they're part of the investigation, you can redact those portions. Yeah. You can redact the portions that have their names. You can redact the portions that have details as to how they were involved. But the allegations as to Richard Allen should be made public, I, I think, agree. after that November hearing. And I'll tell you, Judge Goal, I've been in front of her. She's she's no nonsense. She's she's a tough judge. She'll hold the state and the defense to their burdens, and if she thinks it needs to be released, my guess is that's, yeah, coming, it's gonna, out. It, that's it, coming out. As it should be. Like we've said, we're, you know, we're, the one of the greatest checks on the powers that are given to authority is the light of day. Yes. And if the light of day is not there, it makes their job, you know, tyranny can, tyranny can set in and, and – Light of day, inferring to, like, public access. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if you can't see what's going on and you're kept in the dark, the public's kept in the dark, then, you know, that's that's not a good thing. Because remember, the standard is probable cause. So uh, if everybody was just held in jail and they didn't get to know what the details of what they've been charged with. You could, a lot of people would be just sitting in jail. Absolutely. And, yeah. And how do you defend yourself out of it? Yeah, you can't. So regardless of what happens, I feel absolutely terrible for the family. And, and the two Absolutely. girls. What and an awful tragedy. You I, think there's any outsiders other than police that, like, might know what's going on? Like, reason why it's redacted? Like, maybe his wife or any family members? Maybe. Like, they'd keep them in the loop, but, you know, tell them you really can't go to the media with no, this? I'm sure they have um, spoken to the, the victim's family in some level, but not in any great detail. If there's – whatever they're trying to protect, they're, they're keeping it very close to the vest. There's not been any media – that's been confirmed on anything as to the why. I think, uh, as I mentioned before, that hearing's on November 22nd. 
I will be shocked if uh, there's not a pretty good amount of information right. released yeah. very shortly after that hearing. You know, the other thing that it could be is when they were investigating this defendant, they may have found out that he may have been involved in other bad behavior, which may implicate other people not even tied to the crime. So I think it's all going to come out. I mean, out. there was a shitload of suspects at yeah. the beginning. I think it's going to come out in this next hearing. And so I think keep your eyes open. We'll probably host a, or do another podcast on this once we get the details of it and go over what the what the evidence is and what's known to authorities and what uh, Mr. Allen's looking at in his charges. Again, that's November 22nd at 9 a.m. The media and the public is loud in that hearing, so there'll be some things, some details are going to come out of that because if the state argues to keep it still sealed at that point, they're going to have to establish one of those things. That place is going to be packed. And there's no way you can do that without uh-huh. talking about some facts. Right. Um, but it may also be that the state will just back off at that point too yeah. and, and allow things to be released. What's really crazy, something we hadn't really talked about is all the other defendants because, you know, they had been talking with them and there was that situation a couple years back where it was like this model, the picture of a model going around and saying that he was talking to her and saying he was a millionaire and this and that. And it ended up being, it was a cop in Alaska who it was just, you know, good looking. And it was actually a guy who used his pictures and was a convicted like child predator and was talking to these girls as well on some uh, form of social media. And so it's just the fact that they, it just goes to show like how dangerous it is to be a young woman on social media when one, this happens totally unrelated to all these other things that could have happened later. Yeah, if that's unrelated, that tells you that. Yeah, and there's a there, huge yeah, there's danger. A, there's a gentleman they have even showed his face a couple times that is tied to some of that social media Yeah, he's, like, really chubby. And And they dismiss some of his charges. That's why there may be some connection between the two. The timing, that's a good point. There is this gentleman that's sitting in jail got several charges dismissed at the same exact time these charges are filed. Right. That's a very – you can't read too much into that, but the timing would suggest there's some sort of connection. Might be. Between those two. and Might be rolling. You know, there could be some argument that they're trying to protect his identity uh, because of how he's tying something else together. Who knows? But I think we'll know a lot more on November 22nd. The other important dates that are currently set on this case, on January 13th, there's a pretrial conference. Pretrial conferences are just sort of status hearings for the judge, the prosecutor, and the defense attorney, uh, whoever that is, uh, to find that out. That's By the way, that's not a... This is not a case that a public defender is going to be super excited about. No, uh, no. How would you like to be assigned work. that? That would be terrible. Uh, uh, people that may not know. They're public, all clenching their butts right now. Uh, <laughs> the public defenders are not well compensated in, in Indiana. Uh, this would be a case that, like I said, most private attorneys would charge six figures, hundred over $100,000 for. They're, they're going to have like a contract that pays a couple thousand dollars a month yeah. and be expected to handle this case. Now, they can make some special stipends in situations like this and hopefully they'll do that because it's gonna it's gonna be an overwhelming uh thing for somebody yeah. to have to handle and then he has Not a jury trial there are other cases going on at the same yeah. time right. stuff <laughs> that yeah. practice. the world doesn't stop uh the jury trial set on march 23rd that's an artificial date no it's, way that's happening uh, on it's march not happening 23rd. these cases these kind of cases take at least a year or more as adam mentioned judge gall out of fort Wayne, indiana has been uh has been put on the case the sitting judge recused himself um, and we'll see what happens with his request for a public defender, whether they just go ahead and address. Because when you request a public defender, they have to have a hearing where they talk about 
how much he makes. Does he does he need the assistance of a public defender? Right. Will they hear that at the November twenty second hearing, or will they do that some other time right. uh, prior to that hearing? I would be surprised if they don't try to have him counsel for that. That's a long time to not have counsel. Yeah. So I I would be shocked if the the judge at Allen County doesn't hold a hearing to give him pri- public defender relatively quickly. So that's basically the latest. Um, we'll Crazy keep an stuff. eye on this one, and uh, I, I think we will likely do a follow-up episode on this at a, at a later date. We uh, thank you for joining us on this episode of Pakalal Talks, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye, everyone. Bye.